0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It is good to be back. I am Pastor Chris. Uh, Not that I've actually been gone anywhere. Um, I've just had a little bit of a preaching break, so to speak. Uh, But it's good to know that we are blessed uh, here at Coastal with uh, great, great communicators. And as always, uh, all of our pastors did a great job uh, preaching this summer. Now, originally, I need to let you know that the preaching break uh, that I was taking was kind of strategic, uh, as we actually thought we would be possibly opening up the new facility uh, this week. And as you can imagine, uh, things get really, really crazy uh, at the end of a project uh, before the big grand opening. So I want to let everybody know, because uh, some information here, right now uh, it is looking more and more probable, not just possible, but probable uh, that we will be opening up the new facility uh, at the very beginning of October, probably October the 3rd. So um, uh, that's still, you know, it's probable, it's not set in stone yet, Uh, but again, just trust me, um, as soon as we know, uh, you will know, and uh, man, we're gonna have a huge party, celebrate, Food, music. We'll probably have a, a kind of an open house uh, maybe that Friday beforehand. But again, we will let you know. So there are a lot of exciting things uh, on the horizon uh, here at Coastal. Not only are we going to be opening up, you know, this new facility soon, uh, but next week uh, I'm really excited about this. We're kicking off a brand new series. Uh, it's a nine-week series on the fruit of the spirit, and I'm very, very excited about that. I think if there's ever a time uh, where this is needed, it's needed now follow along as I read Galatians chapter 5 beginning in verse 22 it says this but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives now stop right there just for a moment in other words these are the qualities that are produced in the life of a follower of Jesus okay so what are these qualities Well, read them out loud with me, okay? So let's uh, impress all of our guests with your grand reading ability. Here we go. Love, joy, come on now, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, earlier in the letter of Galatians, uh, the Apostle Paul uses this little interesting phrase. He says, until Christ is fully developed in your life. And the word developed there, it's actually a term that goes along with the birth of a child. And in some translations use the word formed in your life. So what he's saying, hey, by the way, little quick announcement, a little aside, uh, Ryan and Gracie, our production manager, one of the pastors here, uh, they they had their baby yesterday morning. So uh, brand new little baby, Emmy. So uh, they're probably watching this morning either from the hospital or from home. So congratulations. So, but again, let's back back to this, okay? So, this is a picture of of Jesus being fully developed, fully formed in your life, okay? In other words, you see Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is patience, he's kindness, he's goodness, he's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so each week of the series, we're going to look at each one of those qualities, and then we're going to talk about what does it look like to have that characteristic fully formed in your life. And not only that, we're also going to provide a daily devotional. That follows, follows along each week of the series, each message. And then, as, as uh, Scott said a minute ago, Pastor Scott, uh, several of our life groups are gonna be using uh, questions that we provide, small group questions, to kind of dig deeper uh, into that week's message. I really, truly believe uh, it's gonna be a great, impactful series. You are not gonna wanna miss it. And so I wanna challenge everybody, uh, in person, online, online, uh, invite and bring somebody to church with you next Sunday. You ought to do that all the time. But when we start a new series, when we kick off something big, I am te- I'm telling you, pull out all the stops, be a bringer, invite and bring someone to church with you. And then, not only are we kicking off a new series next week, but again, as Pastor Scott said, most of our life groups start that week, the week of September the 19th. Now, Again, so many exciting things on the horizon here at Coastal. You know, I mean, think about it. We got a new series. We got a new groups. We got a brand new beautiful building opening up. However, before we move forward, before we press on, as your pastor, I think it's important to, to look back just a little bit and uh, to talk about where we've been. You know, to kind of mark this moment in time and just remember what and who got us here. And that's what I want us to do today. Think about this. It was one year ago this month, exactly one year ago this month, that demolition started on our old building. Look at some of these pictures. How many of you were here a year ago? Remember this? Yeah, One year ago that Coastal Kids began meeting across the street at the middle school when this building, the building next door, was getting demolished. One year, you know, of setting up and breaking down every weekend. One year of, you know, just realizing and be reminded of how flexible we really can be, how flexible our staff is. One year of seeing miracles because of your generosity. Now, you ready for this? It was two years ago this month, two years ago that we began a church-wide giving campaign called Daring Faith. Raise your hand if you were a part of that, that giving campaign. Remember that, two years ago, Daring Faith. Yeah. So for those of you who weren't here, for two months, our entire church learned about faith together on Sunday mornings through our messages. And then our life groups two years ago, it was a church-wide campaign in the sense that all of our life groups studied the same thing. We all did the same, the same thing. And then we also provided, if you remember, a daily devotional that together we all went through. So individual individually, we were going through the daily devotional. Uh, groups were studying, learning about faith together. And then the large gathering, we were doing that as well. We even provided a coloring book uh, that uh, the artists in our church kind of put together for our young children. And so all of that, all of that, it all led up to the big day. We called it Commitment Sunday, where we had been challenging everyone to make a one-time financial sacrifice and a three-year commitment that would enable our church to secure a loan and begin construction on the new facility. Well, on Sunday, November the 10th, 2019, our church gave the largest single Sunday offering in the history of our church. Maybe you've forgotten what it was. $202,635.80. Wow. Now get this. The three year giving commitment, grand total, was $1.7 million. Wow, yeah, that's worth clapping for. Now, what's amazing about that is it wasn't because Pastor Chris or Miss Janet won the lottery, okay? That was not it. And it wasn't just a few families or a couple of families or, you know, you know what? It was everyone. It was all of us together. And it was. It was an absolute miracle. But little did we know at that time what daring faith was actually preparing us for. Preparing us as a a church or preparing you as an individual. Because at that time two years ago, no one had ever heard the word COVID. Nobody. Nobody. But listen to this, it was just four short months later that our entire nation was shut down as we entered into a worldwide pandemic. In fact, today, I want you to listen to uh, part of an email that I wrote, uh, kind of a church-wide email that went out in March of 2020. Listen to this. Coastal, we will get through this. I actually believe that we have an opportunity like never before to leverage the times in which we find ourselves to share and experience the life and love of Jesus with Charleston and the world. How are we going to do that? Now this blows me away. Listen to what I wrote two years ago. How are we going to do that? The very things that followers of Jesus are supposed to be known for. Galatians 5 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And then our real secret weapon. Our real secret weapon is the very thing that Jesus himself embodied, service. Coastal, I love our services. I do. I love our times when we gather together corporately for worship. I love preaching the good news of the gospel. And I'm so very thankful, especially in times like these, that we have the technology to do all of that online. But... It is our service that people have to stand up and take notice of. Our practical acts of, of kindness and love. That's what I wrote two years ago. And Coastal, serve we did. You know, while, while much of the world around us was, was shrinking back, we marched forward serving and loving our community like never before, feeding literally thousands and thousands of people during that time, giving away food, giving away supplies, and yes, giving away even thousands of rolls of toilet paper, okay? Listen, we have always been known It's a part of our DNA as a church that loves and serves its community. But if anything, during and since COVID, our serving here at Coastal has multiplied exponentially. And what's even crazier and more miraculous to me is that you continued to give generously and sacrificially during it all. I mean, think about this for just a moment. Construction projects, loans, even churches were closing all around the country during that time, but not here, not coastal. We were actually growing. Listen to me. You see, when we opened that new facility, Pastor Chris will be celebrating, not because we have this you know, brand new, bigger facility you know, with an indoor and an outdoor playground with more space for our, our children and for groups and students and for our community. I will be celebrating not because of all the technology and shiny new furniture, I will be celebrating not because I don't have to set up a folding table in the welcome center as my office anymore, okay? I might be celebrating a little bit about that one. But listen, no, I will be celebrating because all of it, every square inch of it is an example of what happens when a church, when a people dare to believe. It is an example, a living example of Philemon 1.6. Listen to this. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your what? Your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. It is a testimony of our faith in a good and gracious and miraculous and powerful God. And do you know, listen to this, you ready for this? Do you remember what the very first message that I preached on uh, for daring faith was? What aspect of faith we talked about a year ago this week? You ready for this? Living in fear or living in faith. Again, little did we know at that time what that might be preparing us for. So today, Coastal, as we remember and mark this moment in time, as a church, as we prepare to move forward and keep marching on, I want us to take a, just a moment and revisit part of that message on faith or fear, but this time, I think you'll see it in a whole new light. You see, one aspect of faith is being able to see things from God's perspective, God's point of view. Hebrews 11, says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So circle that phrase right there, we cannot see. You see, faith is learning to see things from God's perspective. Now, the Bible is just full, full of examples of what you might call seeing things with with spiritual eyes or seeing things from God's point of view. And one such example that we looked at two years ago, and I want us to talk about it again today, is from Numbers 13 and 14. So let me kind of set the context here for just a moment. Moses has led the nation of Israel to freedom. Okay, remember they crossed the Red Sea and now they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Been about two years now at this point. And this is the land, by the way, that had been promised to them for 400 years, that they would have their own country, that they would be their own people and that they would be free from slavery. So when they get up to the edge of this water, before they move forward, Moses basically says, okay, everybody, listen up. Before we go in, I'm gonna send 12 guys to go in first and kind of spy out the land, okay? So 12 spies are chosen by Moses and they're sent into the land to check it out. Now, when they return, they give kind of a mixed report. So two of them, two spies basically said, it's incredible, man, it's awesome. Let's go for it, let's take it. Now, those two spies were named Joshua and Caleb. But the other 10 spies, they came back and they basically said, yeah, it's great, but, but. And then they had this long list of reasons as to why they can't go in. And they were looking at things through eyes of fear. Now, because they failed in that moment, to see with eyes of faith that entire generation of people missed out on God's purposes for their life. God basically said, okay, if that's your choice, you failed the test. You can now wander around the wilderness for 40 years until you all die. Coastal, hear me loud and clear today. I do not want that to happen to our church. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want us to be wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years with no purpose and then die because we simply fail to see things with eyes of faith. Now, so what happens when we see with eyes of fear? It's on your outline, we're gonna go through these pretty quickly. Number one, we exaggerate our difficulties. We exaggerate the problem. We exaggerate our difficulties. Here's the crazy thing think about this. God had just delivered them from Egypt. I mean, the most powerful nation in the world. And now they're worried about some local tribe. But that's what happens. When you look at your situation, your problems, with eyes of fear, the problem, the pain, it gets bigger. Now, here's the negative report from the spies. Listen to this. It is indeed a magnificent country, but the people living here are powerful, and their cities and towns are fortified and very large. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Now, here's the ironic thing, though. Forty years later... When the next generation did finally get to go into the promised land, do you know what they found out? Do you know what the enemy said when they got there, when they took over the land? They basically said, hey, we've been living in panic for 40 years because we had heard about the 10 plagues of Egypt. We had heard about what your God did against the most powerful leader in the world, and we were scared to death. We were ready to surrender. You needlessly walked around in the desert for 40 years because we were scared of you. But that's what happens when you look with eyes of fear. You exaggerate the problem. You exaggerate the pain. Second thing we do when we see with eyes of fear, we underestimate ourselves. We underestimate our own abilities, Numbers 13, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Talk about low self-esteem here. We're insects, we're a bunch of bugs, you know, compared to those guys. We can't do that. By the way, you ever think about this? How do they know how they look to the enemy? They didn't. They didn't. There's a word for this. It's called projection. You know, we tend to project our fears on everybody else around, around us, and, and that's, that's what they're doing here. You know, they had been slaves for 400 years, and at this point, they'd been free for about two. But mentally, they're still enslaved. They still see themselves as helpless. Now, they're no longer enslaved by a pharaoh, but now it's as though they're enslaved to an idea, a self-concept, an image. Now stop there for a moment. Many years ago, there were probably people in your life who said things about you and to you. And they weren't true, but you believed it. They might not even be in your life anymore today. They might even be dead But you're still believing their lies. You're still enslaved to their image of you. You had somebody in your life growing up who said, Man, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're never gonna be able to be be good at this or be good at that. And they told you all these kinds of things and you believed it. Listen, here's what you might need to hear today you are not in Egypt anymore. That is a self imposed prison. You are seeing yourself with eyes of fear instead of looking at yourself from God's perspective and what he says about you and the truth of his word, that you are his child, you are a child of the king. But we do that when we look with eyes of fear. We overestimate the problem, we underestimate our abilities, and number three, we typically end up complaining and criticizing We complain and criticize. Numbers 14, two. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Man, I was thinking about this. Thank the Lord they didn't have social media, Facebook or Instagram. Man, they would have taken Moses and Aaron to task. I mean, it would have been awful. You know, but that's what happens to people when they live in Fear. They complain, they criticize. And typically, you know what? The people who do that, they're very insecure people because if I don't feel good about me, I certainly don't want you feeling good about you. So what do we do? We complain and we criticize. We find fault. We exaggerate our difficulty. We underestimate our abilities. We complain and criticize. And number four, eventually we give up and blame God. We give up and blame God. Numbers 14.3, notice what they said. Why is who? Who? The Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? You know what they're doing? They're blaming God. And now all of a sudden, this is crazy, they wanna go back to Egypt. 400 years of slavery. Why would anybody wanna do that? It was slavery. It wasn't safety. But a lot of people do that today. They're stuck in safe slavery. You might be enslaved by a relationship today. They're enslaved by fear. They're enslaved by a habit, by an addiction. And by their actions, they're basically saying, yes, sure, I I know, I wanna let go of this, I wanna be free, I know I'm in a bad situation, but at least it's predictable you know, I, I know what I'm, what I'm in right now is self-defeating, but it's comfortable, I know it. You know, some of you are doing that. Some of you are confusing slavery and safety. Listen, there, ultimately, there's never going to be freedom in your life until at some point you take a step of faith. Don't die in a desert. Now let's contrast all of that with what the Bible says happens when we start to live our lives seeing through eyes of faith. Number one, faith shrinks my problems. You see, when you see your problem through, from God's point of view, man, everything becomes a lot more manageable because if you got a big God, your problem gets smaller. But if you got a small God, your problem becomes bigger. Luke one thirty seven, Jesus said, for nothing will be impossible with God. By the way, that's one of the benefits of gathering together like this for corporate worship because what are we here to do? We're here to magnify God. We're here to lift him up. And as he gets bigger, the problems that we're experiencing get smaller. Number two, faith opens the door for a miracle. It opens the door for a miracle. Listen, if you study the Bible, if you study history, you find that every single time that God moved and God did a miracle, It's because somebody believed. And faith opens the door for that. Mark 11, 22 and 24, Jesus said, have faith in God, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, let's talk about that for a minute because it sounds a little, little strange, right? What's he talking about there? Well, every time you stretch your faith, Every time you stretch your faith, God does miracles. So my question for you today is this. What is the mountain in your life that needs to be moved? You know, what's the the mountain in your life that you've been saying to yourself, man, it's never going to change. It's never going to get any better. I could never defeat this in my life. Listen, how do you know that? Maybe God wants to do a miracle in your life. Faith opens the door for miracles. Our God is in the mountain moving business. Now again, don't misunderstand this passage. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I do not believe or subscribe to that you know, health and wealth theology where God becomes a genie and you rub the lamp and you pray the prayer and you get whatever you want. That's not how it works. God's not your genie. But in Matthew 9:29, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. God is saying, in a way, you get to choose. According to your faith, it'll be done. In other words, if you never expect God to do anything in your life, guess what? He won't. The problem is we expect the wrong things to motivate God and move God. Listen, God's not moved by our complaining, grumbling, or whining. None of that moves God. And yet God is moved when we say, God, on my knees, I'm just trusting you here. I believe in your promises. I believe that you put your name on something, you promise something, I know you'll do it. Number three, faith turns God-given dreams into reality. Faith turns God-given dreams into reality. Nothing happens until somebody starts dreaming. I believe that. Listen, I wanna challenge you today. Dream about your relationships. Dream about your marriage and what it can become. Dream about your family, your children. Dream about your career. Listen, dream with me about the future of this church. Listen, when we open that new facility, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fill it. We're going to add a third service over here. Then we're going to build another building out front, a dedicated worship space. This becomes the student center, the community center. Dream with me for just a moment because one day we're going to buy that old school across the street. And it's going to become a dream center where we can continue to serve and love our community 24-7. Dream with me. Listen, the Bible is full of people who had God-given dreams. Abraham dreamed of being the father of a great nation. Moses dreamed of setting the people free. Joseph dreamed of saving his nation and his own family. Daniel, David, all through the Bible, they were dreamers. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think Ask or imagine. He says, God is able to do more than we could dare to ask. What are you afraid to ask God for? God is able to do more than you could ever dream of. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty big dreamer. I am. I can think of some pretty big dreams. And God says, Chris, you think of the greatest thing you could ever dream of, the greatest thing that you think I could do in your life, and guess what? I'll top it. But we limit God by our unbelief. God is able to do far more than we would dare to ask or imagine. And then finally, number four, faith gives me the power to hold on. Faith gives me the power to hold on. Why is that one so important? Why was this one so important two years ago? Because faith doesn't always take you out of the problem. You know that, right? Faith takes us through the problem. Faith doesn't always take away the pain, but faith gives you the ability to handle the pain. Faith, I don't think it really necessarily takes you out of the storm or even calms the storm. Any time you know what faith does? It calms you in the middle of the storm. You know, study after study after study has shown that one of the most important characteristics that we can teach our children. And one of the most important characteristics that you need in your own life is this thing called resilience. What is that? It's the ability to bounce back. It's the ability to get up and keep going when you've been knocked down. It's the ability to keep moving forward. Why, why is that so important? Because nobody goes through life with an unbroken chain of successes. Everybody experiences failure. Everybody has flops and pain and mistakes. We all embarrass ourselves. We all have problems. But the people who make it through have this sense of resiliency. Uh, Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes it to us in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. This is from the Living Bible. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we do not give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Where does that come from? It comes from faith, through faith. So what about you? You get to choose. Guys, I know life's tough. Past two years have been difficult. But how how are you going to choose to look at this world that we live in? Through eyes of fear or eyes of faith? Through God's perspective, Of how we might just possibly leverage all of it for the kingdom. How we might serve and love our community. Somebody once said, if there were ever going to be tears in heaven, it would simply be because we would get there and we would realize all the things we could have done if we would have just believed in God a little bit more. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? To be shown everything you could have accomplished and done and become and been if you just believed God a little bit more. Coastal, before we move forward, before we start a new series and kick off our groups and move into that building, I wanna challenge you to believe God just a little bit more. It all starts with faith. Maybe you're here today and you have already crossed the line of faith and you have already placed your faith in Jesus. But maybe you're here and you haven't yet. That's why you're here. I believe that. That's why you're watching this online. John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever what? Believes in him. That means faith. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the most important thing you could do today believe and if you've already done that then why not believe in God just a little bit more bow your heads and pray with me dear heavenly father God today I thank you for what you've done in our church father I thank you not just for the last uh, two years last year but all 31 of these years. You have brought us to this moment and this time. And Father, before we move forward together as a people, as a church, I pray that we would trust you and believe you just a little bit more. That we would see the world in which we live through your eyes and your perspective, through eyes of faith. And listen, if you're here today, if you're, in the room, if you're watching online, if you're listening to these words and you've never yet crossed that first initial line of faith and believed, do it today. Our God loves you and he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place, to take the penalty of your sin so that you might have a relationship with him, that you might be made made right in his eyes clean and and the slate to be wiped clean. Listen, just pour out your heart right now and pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross for me and my sin. And as much as I understand and know how, I also believe that he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And now for the rest of my days, I just want to follow him. Become more and more like you see me right now. And I pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.